Joshua 3. Sometimes there's a really uh, specific way that the songs come together on a Sunday night. And sometimes it's honestly just kind of random. And uh, this was one of those nights where I was like, I, I don't know, I had a wasn't real sure how it was all going to flow. And I see the complete picture of the gospel in those songs that we just sang in a row. And I think a lot of times um, Christians or churches or whatever uh, kind of camp out on one and like one and they either ignore the other two or there's just kind of a um, they're they're kind of there, but they're not emphasized very much. We're saying the the glory of it all, um, that the whole point of everything is for the glory of of God, the exaltation of Christ, that everything is about Him, and so He He comes and He repairs and He uh, restores, and it's a new day will never be the same, and all that stuff is for the glory of it all being Him. In the second song we moved, it was very much, it was very personal, like personal relationship. Um, I'm in love with the Lord. The Lord has this great, amazing love, and with that great love, He loves us. And so there's that relational side of it. And then the next song was the fact that we take all that and we don't just receive, but we give as well. Um, and it's sometimes what will happen is we'll focus so much on one thing that so much on the it's all about the glory of God and all about the and focus so much on that that we ignore the social justice, um, standing beside the broken, feeding the hungry. You know, we just sing about it. We don't live it out. We ignore that, or sometimes we even ignore the relational side of it because it's so much like it's not about you it's not about you it's not about you which is absolutely true um but i think sometimes like there's not a, a real good uh acknowledgement of the other two or sometimes it's so much about um god loves you and he he pursues you and he's you know he's it's almost romanticizes it to the point where sometimes it's a little bit creepy and um but but it, it that's like so much of an emphasis that and you ignore the glory of God as being the purpose and ignore the taking it to the streets idea um, or sometimes it's so much about social justice and feeding people and loving people and, and grace and all this kind of other stuff that we forget to it's nurturing our personal relationship with God and all that is so that people come to know Him you know it's not just about kind gestures. And whatever that there's a greater purpose, and I was just sitting there, and I just was like, "Wow, there's a, this complete picture of the gospel that we have have processed through in song tonight." Um, it would be real easy 
to just hang out in one and ignore the other two. And it's kind of cool how, whether it seemed random to me or not, um, maybe Cody did it on purpose, and if so, excellente. Um, but uh, just amazing how it all just fit so beautifully together. Um, Joshua chapter 3, um, we find uh, this incredible story that sounds kind of familiar. Um, Joshua tells them, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord's going to do, um, will do wonders among you. Look at verse 6. And Joshua said to the priests, we're going to go all the way through the chapter, by the way, so if you don't like to hear a lot of verses, then I'm sorry. Um, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the, in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, Here's how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. I practice that. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents, to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. I think, like, you know how um, like there are just certain uh, snapshot images that uh, just kind of define these great moments in history in the United States. Um, and there are just these things, and they're just iconic, you know, these great um, pictures of certain times at war and big events and stuff like that. And I think, like, this would be one of those moments, you know, these priests standing there holding the ark in the middle of this riverbed that is dry, and the water on one side is, like, standing up tall, being held back, and the other water is just gone. And the whole nation is like walking around these guys, crossing over, and they're just holding it, standing there. You know, like just what an what an amazing moment that must have have been. Um, and so I was was reading through that, you know, and uh, and verse five really stood out about consecrate yourselves, and 
um, you know, for God will do, tomorrow God will do wonders among you. And that really stood out to me. And I was like, all right, you know, what is it about the rest of this story um, that is significant for us, you know, tonight? And there's lots in there that is significant. Um, and here's, here's the thing. Um, does, my, does I sound really funny? Are, are any of the monitors on back here? Like, is this voice in the monitor? It sounds really like, I feel like, uh, remember, um, what, what was it? Was it on the Muppets? It was like, pigs in space. Anybody? <laughs> that's, ex- that's exactly what I feel like I'm hearing. All right, as long as y'all don't hear that, I'll, I'll get over it. Um, sorry. I'll be quiet so I can edit the podcast. Oh, dang. Okay. Um, uh, here, here's the thing. This group of Israelites, um, they were not around for the Red Sea crossing. And that's what I meant earlier by, like, it sounds familiar. Because, you know, you're like, wait, didn't they, wasn't there another time when they got to the water and then, like, God, like, parted it, you know, and they crossed on dry ground, you know? And, like, what, hadn't that already happened or am I confused? This is the second time that that has happened. The people who are a part of this story were not really around for that. All the people who, who crossed over, they all died walking around in, in the desert. I'm sure maybe some of these were babies or whatever. But look at a generation. This generation had not experienced the Red Sea crossing. The ones who experienced the Red Sea crossing after the Exodus, um, God wanted all of them to die. He purged an entire generation marching around in the desert because they were not obedient and they did not trust and all this, all this kind of stuff. This is the, the generation that grew up walking around in the desert hearing their parents basically say, man, we blew it. Didn't we, blow, we blew it, yeah. We messed up, didn't we? Yeah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> um, this is the generation that grew up hearing their parents and their grandparents talk about how God um, got them out of Egypt and the Red Sea parted and they got across and then it came crashing down and killed all the Egyptians and, and um, you know, there was this pillar of fire and there was this cloud. And This is the generation that grew up hearing all these stories about the faithfulness of God and the power of God and all this kind of stuff. And then as their grandparents died... And everybody got older, and then their parents died. They had not experienced that yet. There had been other things, but they had not experienced anything like this. This was, this was their Red Sea crossing. This was their experience of God's complete, just supernatural power and awesomeness and just whatever. This was their generation's experience. And I was thinking about that. I was like, that is, that is massive when you start thinking about it. They got to experience the wonder of God in a way that they'd only heard about up until this point. And I think when, when you bring that into our lives, you know, uh, one of the things that, that really, like, has always drawn me to college ministry um, is the fact that, of like what happens when you're that age. Not necessarily like people in school, but just during that age where 
where you're you're out of out of high school, but you're not yet quite you know um, I don't know an adult you know in a lot of ways. Um, what what happens just developmentally, like you're you're still growing up, you're still maturing, and all this kind of stuff. But there's something awesome that that happens that terrifies most parents. It terrifies youth ministers and pastors and 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 whatever. And there's this this amazing thing that happens where um, you start to really question what you believe, and that's a scary thing. And for some people, that's not that's not good. You know, some people they disconnect from the church, and then they get into some of these classes where these, like, brilliant professors who aren't that brilliant and probably shouldn't be professors, like, really get a kick out of, like, just messing with people's minds and, like, shattering your entire worldview or whatever, and they think it's really funny. Um, and, you, and, but, and you get in the, these situations, and, and because of the way of where you are in your development, you're at this point where you begin to really ask yourself, like, what, what do I believe? Um, you, you, we grow up in these environments, and whether it's a church environment or, or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, there's, a, there's a point where um, the things that you're being taught, you just accept as being true when, when you're little. You know, um, Somebody says, you know, a, the, a stop sign is red, and you're like, stop sign is red, if you don't question it. You know? um, somebody says, um, if you touch the stove, it's going to burn you. you know, well, you don't touch the stove because it's going to burn you. Um, Someone says, Jesus loves you. You're like, Jesus loves me. Sweet. Um, you get a little bit older, and it's like there's this, this community idea of, you know, this is, this, is what, this is what we believe about things. You know, and, and so maybe you don't question this if the stop sign is red. Maybe you, you have to get burned on the stove to learn that lesson or whatever. When it comes to faith stuff, um, you, you start to, it goes from like, Jesus loves me. Okay, my parents said it, or my pastor says it, whatever. It must be true. Then you move into this community thing of, like, we believe that Jesus loves us. And, and you start to identify yourself with this community of belief. And, um, and that's when, you know, it's, it's like, no, this is, this is our church. This is, these are our beliefs. This is, you know, it's, it's an us kind of thing. And you keep, you keep growing in that, and then you kind of get to a point where you start to, to wonder, okay, why do, we, why do we believe that Jesus loves us? You know, why do we believe that um, Jesus is the only way to salvation, you know? You're not necessarily questioning if it's true. You just want to know, like, okay, where does that come from? And you, you get into this wonderful book, and you start to realize, oh, there are scriptures here that back these things up. And, 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 and so, you're, so you start to really, like, get to the point where you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm asking why, and I'm starting to get some answers that are fine. And then you get to this point, kind of when you're, like, 18 to 23, 24, 25, somewhere in there, where you're starting to be like, okay, I'm not sure if that's what I believe or not. And you, you stop being you know, content with, uh, this is what my parents said, or this is what my pastor says, or even this is what the Bible says. You kind of get in this point where you really begin to question some things. And questioning is not bad. And that's the thing that I was always drawn to about college ministry was like, it's fine to question stuff. Question all you want. Let's dialogue. Let's talk about it. Um, what I like about college ministry is, why don't you question stuff in the context of people who love you and are not going to freak out when you're like, I don't know if Jesus is the only way, you know? And, you know, like your parents might flip out and your Sunday school teacher might flip out, but you need to have people around you who are going to be like, oh, really? Like, well, well all right, well, why don't you, aren't you sure? Where's this coming from? People who aren't going to be like, 
you must not be saved, and you're a backslider, and you're putting you on the prayer list. Um, you know, um, and so that's kind of what happens. And there's this thing that all of us go through where it's not our parents' faith anymore. You know, it's not our church's faith. Um, it, it becomes personal, and it becomes personal by us asking questions and sorting through things and um, hearing other viewpoints and praying and all that kind of stuff. And a big part of my heart for college ministry is to provide a church context where people can go through all that stuff and regardless of the different places where they land along the way, we're there being like, cool, you want to go get something to eat? <laughs> you know? You want to hang out? Awesome. And here's this generation, and they had made it so far on like the stories of God's faithfulness and all the things that they were hearing. And God, in his complete sovereignty, was like, all right, it's time for you to experience wonder of your own. There's something significant about us needing to experience wonder. I grew up my whole life hearing this story about my grandparents. and I think I've told it before. My grandparents, um, my dad's side, they all lived in Liberty, Mississippi, and they got to a point where, um, you know, they were, it was, back then it was a matter of you, you went where the work was. And work was kind of scarce up there. Baton Rouge was more promising, and they were praying about, like, do we go or not? Um, this is where all of our family are. Do we pack up and move or not? And my whole life I heard this story about my grandparents, like they were out like picking butter beans or something, and they were talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, and they stopped picking butter beans, and they knelt down in the garden, and they prayed together about God's direction for their lives. My whole life I heard that story, and that was their big like, that was our moment, you know, and it was like, oh, I love my grandparents. Um, and, and so, but, and I, I heard that and, and everything, but I had never been at a point in my life where I understood, like, I understood that feeling, you know, of I don't know what to do, but I have to make a decision. And there, and, until I was 24 or 25, and um, I found myself, not in a butterbean garden, but I found myself in that same place of being on my knees because I had this opportunity in front of me, and I was like, God, do I... Do I walk away from the ring and all that's going on here in order to take this, this opportunity that is in front of me that looks basically like it was designed by you for me with all my gifts and my interests and my heart, everything about it looks, I really think this might be it, but I'm, and this ring thing might not happen, I don't really know, because eh, whatever, um, and I was at that point, and I grew up hearing about my parent, grandparents coming to that point, but it wasn't until I experienced it myself, I was like, oh, this is, this is what that was like for them. This is why they had so much faith um, to, to move and when nothing made sense, why they went forward, came down to Baton Rouge and whatever. You know? this, is, this, is, this is where that faith and that hope and that clarity and all that stuff came from, was this moment this experience of being kind of desperate and kind of needy and a little bit demanding, you know, but like, uh, I need an answer. Um, I look at that now, and I see that as God giving me my own kind of crisis of faith, you know, my own experience where I could experience the wonder of him giving that, that just little drop of clarity to a situation, you know. 
and knowing what it's like to say no to this and to say yes to this. That's what was going on with them. That's what goes on with us because there's something important for our spiritual development about us experiencing the wonder of God. For them, they, they weren't going to make it on those stories and the legends and the stuff of their parents. They needed their own thing to walk through, and here it was. And they literally, literally walked through it. And I can just imagine, and this is not in the Bible anywhere, I'm just kind of making this up, but imagine them being like, so this is what it's like to walk across a, a body of water on dry land and to watch God hold back water and to have your leader say, this is what's going to happen. We're going to get there, and the water's going to stop, and we're going to walk across. And you get there, and the water stops, and you walk across, you know? Something about those experiences, it, it deepens our faith. It brings hope where uh, hope is just kind of gone. Um, it brings tremendous perspective. It makes us focus on the Lord and be like, you are completely sovereign and amazing, and I can't believe I ever try to take control of my own life in any way, shape, or form. It has this, all, these, the, all these benefits, all these amazing things happen when we experience wonder. And I think a part of what God wants from us tonight is kind of a redefining of what wonder is. Um, maybe you have experienced, you know, divine healing of some sort, you know. Maybe you have experienced, like, just some, like, freaky things where you're like, okay, only God could have done that. Um, but I think sometimes we, like, our bar of wonder is a little bit too low. You know, like, we, we would put the parting of, of a river uh, in the category of wonder, you know, but I think sometimes we, we take the wonders of God being active in our everyday lives, and we don't chalk those up to being wonder. We think that they're kind of cool, and sometimes they are so, they're around us so much that we kind of forget that they're even there. I think God wants us to redefine wonder in, in, as far as letting him define it. If you, if you look at it on a community perspective, and this is kind of what we talked about earlier, like, what we do together on Sunday nights, there's no telling the amount of wonderful things that go on in this room or whatever room we're ever going to be in. You ever, I mean, you ever think about that? I mean, I think, you know, going to church, kind of, it's, it's a part of routine so much that anything that's routine kind of loses a little bit of its meaning sometimes and stuff like that, and it just kind of becomes what you do, and sometimes the church is good, sometimes it's kind of flat, you know, and, you know, whatever. But if we really think about what's going on here, this gathering and every gathering of saints should fall in the category of wonder. There's never a time when the saints come together and it's just kind of flat, you know. Or think about, think about our community groups. Um, you know those, those nights in community group that just stand out in your mind? You're just like, man, tonight was awesome. And you kind of have that, I wish you could be that way every week. Well, there's no reason it can't, you know. No telling the, the kind of wonder that, that happens there in those groups. Um, Get even 
smaller in our community when it's you and somebody else or, you know, three people are together. Think about the, the casual interactions that we have, you know. And like, you ever been in a place where, like, someone just, like, said hey to you or waved to you or did even the smallest thing that to them was totally insignificant, but to you it just, like, connected with you for some reason and you're kind of in one of those places where you're just like, I just need somebody to wave at me. <laughs> that was awesome. You're like, thank you, Lord, for the wave. You never know. I mean, there's just, that's the thing. Like, God just, he makes, he does wonderful things with the smallest smallest gestures, you know. Trying to think about, about individuals. I mean, transformation into Christ-likeness. Tell me that's not wonder. You know, you watch, watch people go from not being connected to God at all to through faith in what Jesus did on the cross, being connected to him, and then also their lives begin to just transformed to where you see him in a year and you're like, I don't even remember what you were like before. I don't even know who you are anymore. You watch um, people be freed from addictions, you know. We should be in awe of that. You know, when people are completely wrapped up in stuff that's killing them and God just slowly just frees them from it, step by step by step by step by step. We should be in, in awe of that. Watch, we watch marriages literally go to hell and back. We should be like, wow, we, God has done wondrous things in our midst today. God has done wonderful things in our presence in the past six months, in the past year, and, and, and beyond that. There's no telling in your life um, the, how, how wonder can be defined. And I'm sure that all of us probably look at our lives and we're like, man, like, I want wonder, you know. I want like to look at my life and, and just be like, man, God has done wonderful things. And if you are if you are in Christ, then you have a list a mile long of things that He's done in you. I think sometimes we are also in places where we look at our lives and we're like, I, I want to see this area change, you know. I want to see this, I want to be different in, in this. I'm tired of struggling with this. I'm, you know, tired of whatever, you know. Like, I want, I want God to show off in this area of my life or in this situation or whatever. And I'm kind of tired of him not showing off, you know. We kind of get in that place and you're like, I want the wonder of God in this part of my life or in this part of my community group or in this part of my church or, or my family or whatever, I think, it, I think we always have to tie, like bring it back to verse 5 that we talked about earlier. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. There is an absolutely undeniable connection between consecrating ourselves and the wonder of God in our lives. We cannot get around it. Setting ourselves apart, there being purity and holiness and the pursuit of Christ, all that, all that stuff, um, we cannot disconnect that from the wonders of God in our lives. We can't. And let's just be honest. We kind of want to be able to live however we want to, talk however we want to, behave however we want to, laugh at whatever we want to, watch whatever we want to. We want to do all that stuff, 
and have the wonders of God showing off, transforming us into Christ-likeness. And, and those two things are, are like, we cannot be rebellious and God be like, I'm going to transform you into Christ. Because Christ ain't rebellious. Christ does not have stupid stuff on his Facebook page or his MySpace page. He doesn't. He doesn't. There are things that, that Christ does not watch. There are things that he does not laugh at. There are things that he does not tolerate. And pursuing holiness is one of those things we don't like to talk about because we like to live our own lives and our own ways and whatever. And as soon as you start talking about holiness, people start waving the, the flag of, you're being legalistic, you're being legalistic. Well, that's bull. I mean, it, it is. If you're pursuing holiness, it's not legalism. It could cross over into that. Um, and there's a delicate balance there, and I really wasn't planning on going here, but here we are. Um, if you want to see the wonder of God in your life, consecrate yourself every single day. You wake up tomorrow, and the first thing you do is you pray to the Lord, this day is your day. My life is your life. What you want from me today, I will absolutely do it. The answer is yes on the front end. And Lord, do not leave me alone today. Bug me about stuff. Don't let me laugh at things. Don't let me say things. Don't let me go places. Don't let me whatever. I want to be set apart for your service to pursue holiness in all things. And you watch the wonder of God begin to work its way into your life and show off. It'll happen. And if you're insistent on doing your own thing and being rebellious, you're asking for things that are, con- that are contradicting each other. I'm not saying God won't show off in the midst of rebellion, because he definitely will, because he's bigger than you and you're not that powerful. However, talk about frustration or Christians who live lives completely on their own or whatever and then come into church services or community groups or whatever and be like, why isn't God, why don't I feel God? Why isn't God doing stuff in my life? And why come he's everywhere else? It's like, well, because you're not being obedient to the things he's telling you to do. When he tells you to stop doing that, start doing this. You want wonder in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your finances, you want whatever, you want wonder there, consecrate yourself. You want your community group to become a place where you cannot wait to get there, whether it's hangout night or like whatever, uh, you consecrate yourself for the service to that group. Pray for that group. Pray on the way to group. That's a start. You want our time together on Sunday nights to rock your world? Pray for it all week long. You tired of the sermons being boring and flat? Pray for me. Please. (laughs) Amen's popping up everywhere. I dare you to look at your life and just to say, all right, this, this week is my week of consecration. And not, not because you're expecting something awesome, like just craziness from God or whatever, not in this demanding way, because you know that is obedience. And that the Christ in us makes it possible. That God, I'm going to consecrate myself to your service, to whatever you want. And if you want to show up in my life, awesome. And if you don't, I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to set myself apart.
what begins to happen is we begin to have our experiences, you know. It continues to become our faith and not the faith of your pastor or your community group leader or your parents or your home church growing up or whatever. It continues to be your relationship with God, your faith. So when someone comes to you and they say, hey, what do you think about this? And you say, well, my pastor says this. And they look at you and they say, I don't care what your pastor says. I want to know what you think. You're ready. Let's pray together. God, we know that um, we know there's nothing that is beyond your control, or nothing in life catches you off guard or by surprise. God, we know that um, a part of what you do on the earth and in your kingdom, God, is show off. God, every one of us here wants um, wants you to do wonders in our lives, to work miracles, to transform and change, to repair, to restore, to bring hope, to deepen faith. God, so help us, because as much as we want um, to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, for there to be purity and holiness, God, we are unable to do that on our own. We need you to initiate that. and to build our faith and to give us strength and courage to be obedient in carrying out the things you call us to push us forward into. Now for those tonight, you're in a place where they've just kind of settled, pray that you stir in them this refusal for anything less than abundant life. God, help us to set ourselves apart in service to you, our King, our Lord, our Savior. God, enlighten us as to the, the wonders that you have already done in us and are doing in us. And then give us the, the faith to ask for more.